This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, this morning, uh, we also are here to welcome Dennis Flanagan, Charlie. Yes, indeed. Morning, Dennis. Hey, good morning, you two. And good morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. This is The Garden Show, and we're all set to go. I understand you've got a number of tips to pass along a little later. Tips, announcements, yeah, updates. All that stuff. Main thing is, you know the phone numbers, folks. So here they are. If you're in Toronto, call 416-360-0740, or... If you're out of town, by all means, call this number, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And, of course, our all-important mantra of the day, the mantra of the show, is call early, call often, one question per call. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And, Charlie, about this time, you usually come in with a whole batch of stuff for us. Well, I do. I have that again, but I just thought I'd say, you know, you said if people are out of town. Yeah. I get the sense a lot of people are out of town. Oh, yeah. It's very quiet coming downtown to the, to the studio this morning. And this is the first morning I can remember it being dark when I woke up. Oh, yeah, that lets us know the... Winter's coming. Yeah, well, we're not officially out of summer yet, but it almost feels like it. (laughs) Knock it on the door. Great time to be gardening. Yeah, you bet. So lots going on in the gardens and some lots going on at the garden clubs as well. The Toronto Botanical Gardens has new audio tours. So if you haven't been to the Toronto Botanical Gardens, please go uh, 777 Lawrence Avenue East. So Lawrence and York Mills. Uh, They have self-directed tours. The audio tours were taped by all kinds of famous personalities like Dennis Flanagan, who's sitting across Uh from me, and myself. And they're great tours. Now, for a limited time only, you can rent the tour with a discount through something called Buytopia. So that's like a Groupon thing, you know, two for one, whatever. So go to Buytopia or Google Buytopia, and you'll see that that opportunity for Mm -hmm. Uh, discounted tours. It's limited time only, so uh, consider going down to the TBG and getting one of those tours. And remember, Thursdays is Shop at the Organic Farmer's Market from 3 until 7 p.m. Wonderful stuff. Dennis, you've got something for us, too. I certainly have. The uh, Aging Court Garden Club. I know both Charlie and I have old uh, favorites there. I've sp- had uh, presentations there many times. Um, so they're hosting their Open to the Public Annual Flower and Vegetable Show on Saturday, September the 7th from 2 to 4.30. And the location, they've been there a few years, haven't they, Charlie? Yep. In, the, in the Knox United Christian Education Center, 2575 Midland Avenue 
on aging court. And the most important word in this announcement is free. Keep going, though. Free parking. <laughs> it's free parking. <laughs> <laughs> and refreshments available. So, uh, yeah, go along. They're a great gardening group. They are. And if you can't go that day, then the following day, the same group, the Asian Court Garden Club, is hosting their general monthly meeting, which is on Monday evening, 8 p.m. Of course, same location, the Knox United Christian Education Center. The speaker is Bruce Scott on the subject of Gardens of Casaloma. Well, there you are. Now I've got something, too. Uh, the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society is holding a meeting September 8th at 1 in the afternoon. Meet and greet other members. Then at 1.30, Matt Mathis, or Mattis, I guess it is, will present bulbs of South Africa. So bring your own mug, bring a friend, ephemeral seed exchange, and September plant sale from 12.30 to 1.30. And free admission, my friends. Non-members are most welcome. Meet in the floral hall at the Toronto Botanical Gardens. Well done. Who well, wrote this script? Frank, Boy, this I don't good, know, eh? but that, I read it cold and I darn near flipped with that ephemeral. Ephemeral. <laughs> you did good. That's good. <laughs> Frank, Frank, Charlie, Frank's kind of like a hardy plant, isn't yes, he? Yes, it is. If, if you had to nail him as a plant, what would you nail him as? Uh, as a, heart, in terms as of a, a hardy plant. plant. Or just nail him. Uh, yeah, I think, well, no. Yeah, no, yeah let me think, think about, about that. that. Yeah, let me think All right. about that. Uh, in the meantime, keep going. Yeah. Uh, the Lakefield Horticultural Society will be hosting Susan Chan, who will speak on the all-important all, all important topic of bees. And we all know that's a major subject right yes. uh, now across across the planet, actually. Yes. That's on Tuesday, September the 10th at 7.30 at the Marshland Center in Lakefield. Um, bees are small but mighty pollinators, and they are responsible for one of the every three bites of food you take. Isn't that's that interesting? That's a great fact. That's a, that's a great, uh, great uh, stat. Um, everyone's welcome. Admission is free. Mm-hmm. And finally, the Burlington Hort Society is hosting their general meeting and flower show on Wednesday, September the 11th at 7.30 p.m. Of course, they meet in the Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street at Drury Lane in Burlington. The speaker, Elizabeth Boyd. She's an herbalist, and her topic is integrating edible and medicinal plants into the garden. Again, refreshments and all are welcome. And on the production side of things, James Patrick Dooley will be answering the phones once again. That's the first voice you will hear when you call the numbers I've given. We will be back. We've got callers already. He's been working really hard in there, Mm -hmm. uh, getting folks lined up to uh, ask you and maybe Dennis some questions, too. Back in just a moment here in the Garden Show from AM740. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM740. And uh, Frank Proctor, along with Dennis Flanagan and Charlie. And uh, uh, one little thing I forgot to mention. Uh First-time callers, let me know when you call in and you will hear... That's the uh, sound of the first-time caller. We time give color. them wings. Yeah. Garden oh, wings. Yes. Guys, isn't Absolutely. That, oh, isn't that sweet? <laughs> we <laughs> welcome sweet? to the show. You too. It's, it's, it's like, <laughs> we're so... Ozzy and Harriet. Oh, I wish, I wish people saccharine, could, I was people, going to say. I <laughs> wish people could see you two. You actually have bright colors I'm looking at this morning. They look like a couple of Gerber daisies. Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> well, thank you so much, uh, you old cactus. You... Uh, <laughs> Catherine from Toronto is on the line. First of all, hello, Catherine, and good morning. Oh, good morning, Frank and Charlie and your guest. Thanks, Catherine. Uh, um, I'm calling about my evergreen trees, Mm -hmm. tree in particular. 
um, I have a, a little evergreen forest at the bottom of my rather large garden. And one of them, one of this spruce, um, it, which is oh, probably over 40 feet tall, um, I noticed the very tips of the, of the branches um, are, are curling. Uh-huh. Are they turning a color other than, is it a blue spruce? No, this is not. I have a beautiful hoopsie blue, but I no. This is a regular with the flat um, needles and the silver underside or the right. you know striped. Norway underside. spruce, likely. Pardon? Norway spruce. <clears throat> I, well, okay, thank you. <laughs> and it's you say it's cur- they're curling. The tips are curling. The tips are curling so that uh, the very very tips, the tiny little tips, so that when you look at it from a little distance, they look white because the underside is showing. Mm. And also, I'm pretty sure, I don't think it's a broken branch, there's one large branch higher up in the tree that's completely rust. Oh, right. So that would be um, obviously a dead branch for one reason or another, but twisting needles. Dennis, what do you think? Um, well, I think the answer could be as simple as, as just uh, weather-related weather um, mm-hmm. You know, it's um, as you know, the tips of evergreens will uh, relate to the amount of water that we we've had during the year, mm-hmm. the dryness, and or wetness. A, or wetness. And that was a question I was going to ask, but you answered it by saying that you can see the underside of the needle. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask which way it was curling, up or down. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're curling in toward each other so that they look like little fingers that are interlaced. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, my first reaction would be to say that it's a, a reaction. Um, the most sensitive plant point of any plant is at the tip, mm-hmm. and that's where you're always going to see the reaction to anything to do with water change, um, whether it's, as Charlie said, whether too wet or too dry. So mm-hmm. my first instance would not be to panic too much. Let's see what the fall-time weather, as it settles out, brings. And if those tips settle out, then then you're, you're good. You're good to go. Um, and um, if it's beyond that, um, and I'm sure, you know, you've had this advice many times on this show, is snip off one of those branches, um, put, it, put, put it in a damp paper towel and take it into your, your nearest, uh, nearest garden center and get someone to actually look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit hard to diagnose over the radio, isn't it? It, well, it is, but I, you know, evergreens are tough. And yeah. It hasn't been a particular rough year. You know, all this, the latest uh, bout of hot, humid weather, does that factor into things too? It, it, it can, and it's always, you know, whether it's houseplants, evergreens, tropicals, it's yeah. always the tips that are the giveaway. Uh-huh. And the tips are the newest growth, yeah. as you pointed out. And, I mean, there are a few insects that will attack the tips of spruces. Yeah, there's bud, bud gall, adelgis, canker, all that stuff. Yeah. But so that's why, you, I mean, it, <clears throat> good point, I think, Catherine. That keep an eye, if, it, if it's really concerning you, to do as Dennis suggested and take a piece into a good garden center where you know they've got some good staff that might be able to help you. Oh, thank you very much. Okay, thanks, thanks for so the much. call, Catherine. Have a wonderful long weekend. And you too. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye. Bye bye. Studio crammed full of uh, bright folks. Expertise. Well, two I was going to say. Three anyway. <laughs> Maybe not quite so crammed in your corner. <laughs> Dorothy is on the line again from Toronto. Hello, Dorothy. Good morning. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Dorothy. Um, my question is about my roses. Mm-hmm. There's um, a certain bug. That comes on them when the leaves, when the petals fall off the rose itself. Mm-hmm. These bugs come, and they're brown. They got brown heads, 
around their head is a white streak or a little circle mm-hmm. and little black spots that make it look like windows. And that's th- there's three of them, and they'll eat whatever is in this rose. Mm-hmm. They don't seem to mind me being there. Nope. They're quiet. They don't make a noise. They do when you squish them. What are they? <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was describing Frank for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? That's a Japanese beetle. Yeah, sure is. Absolutely. All over the place. Oh, this has been a bad year for Japanese beetles, and they love roses. So what do you do? Not, I'm afraid, a lot. Other than, as you've noted, Dorothy, you can see those bugs. They're not afraid of you. I have an empty tuna fish can. I keep it very handy in my garden. It's got a little bit of water in it and a little drop of oil on top of that. And whenever I see a Japanese beetle, I pick it up and I drop it in the can and I watch it die. What happens then? They die. Well, because you know what? There's no easy way to uh, get rid of them. There's no magical spray. There's nothing you can do. Any of the traps that are out there. You can try the traps, yeah. Uh, Everything I've heard about the traps are that you end up not only having your three million Japanese beetles, but all your neighbors' Japanese beetles will come mm-hmm. to your yard with the traps. Yeah. So but I think the traps are great if you've got, say, um, a, a woodland behind you or even a schoolyard that during the summer when the schools are closed. Put the trap there and, you know, keep it a good, you know, 500 yards off of your property and, yeah, attract all the Japanese beetles you want over there. But frankly, Dorothy, it's just going to be a pick and squish or pick and drown situation with the Japanese beetles. Yeah. And if you do use the traps, make sure you, you empty them frequently. But mm-hmm. what right? is on the rose that they eat? Uh, they'll eat the petals. They'll eat the no, leaves. The, the petals are on the ground. Well, remember that when the petal falls, what's left behind is the fruit. And the fruit is all commonly called a hip. So they're actually chewing on the hip. Oh. There's seeds. It's actually a re- it's full of vitamin C, that, that little fruit that's left behind on a rose. Yeah. So, uh, and Japanese beetles are not picky. They have been chewing away on my bean plants for the last month. It's like the leaves are like lace. They've been so chewed. Do you think they're the same bug that's uh, making lace holes in the, the leaves of the roses? Yep, probably at this time of year. Now, oh, the- all summer. But the good thing is, is that, frankly, the Japanese beetles, am I right, Dennis, are very soon going to pupate. Mm-hmm. We're not, so yep. those adults that are doing all that chewing, those very obvious bugs, are shortly, like in the next 24 hours, really. They're, they're late this year because it was a late spring, but they are going to go down underground and build themselves a little cocoon and have a sleep for a while. So that's the good thing about the Japanese beetles. They won't be around much longer. Mm-hmm. And but Charlie, they'll be back next year. Yep, they'll yeah, be back next they'll year. They'll be back again. So and then, where do they spend the winter? Under the ground. So that's why we get our nematodes, and we apply our nematodes to our gardens and our lawns where we, if we suspect Japanese beetles or any of those beetles that cause the problems. And they're brown. <clears throat> the Japanese beetles are kind of a coppery color. It's a brown, but it glistens in the sun. With the white circle around their head. Yep, they have little dots. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Cute things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice of you to say that. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Dorothy. Hope we've been able to help you there. Okay. okay. Thank Bye-bye. you for listening to The Garden Show. Charlie Dobbin, Dennis Flanagan, and uh, Frank Proctor in studio. And we are broadcasting live and direct from the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. And we'll be along to uh, talk to more of our callers in just a couple of moments here on The Garden Show from AM740. 
Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, let's see what we've got next uh, on the show. It's a call from Markham and Paul is on the line. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Charlie, Frank, and Dennis. Good morning. Um, I have a question about tomatillo tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Um, my son brought home two plants um, back in the spring. He planted one about, they're about 30 feet apart. Um, one is, it's about uh, two and a half, three feet high, producing lots of fruit. Mm-hmm. The other one, this thing is almost a shade tree. It's at least seven feet high. Wow. And it's about eight feet top wide at the crown. I have to support it everywhere. It has hundreds of lanterns on it, but only two were fertilized. And one of those is massive. And I don't know what what this thing is. (laughs) (laughs) The plant that ate Markham. My God. That's huge. Okay. Is, I, is it some sort of hybrid that isn't going to produce any fruit or what? Okay, so I, I have just never grown tomatillas. Maybe does Dennis? Have you ever grown these? Yeah, I've, I've have friends that grow them, yeah. but my first, you know, you and I have both have great history in in, in the uh, in the retail garden center industry, and it would not be the first time that the odd label has been put in the odd different pot. <laughs> right, <laughs> good point. So no, if I there, that. if there's that much dramatic difference, that would be my first suspicion. To be honest with you, that it really that they really aren't both the same plant. That would be one. The second thing is, uh, if they're that far apart, the the soil conditions uh, could be really totally different. And um, if one area is is much higher in nitrogen than the other, that would cause all that green growth, that rapid growth, and uh, which isn't good for producing the fruit. So that's two possible answers. Um, and looking very quickly on the computer here, Tomatilla is physalis, is the genus, and it is an, a tender plant, so it's not going to survive the winter. It's originally from Mexico. Uh, it does say here that the um, tomatillas are highly self-incompatible. So what that means is they will not self-pollinate. They mm-hmm. rely yeah, my, on my others. My son said it needed ants or something to do that. Well, it, just, it says here two or more plants are needed for proper pollination. Mm-hmm. So, uh-huh. yes, it so, might be insects that move the pollen around. 30 feet is... 30 feet is too far too for far the average yeah. ant, I, if it is ant. Uh, yeah, I, I don't sure, know enough sure. about these to well, uh, come up... Well, it must have been a, a one-way trip for the pollinators. <laughs> <laughs> Got lost along the way. <laughs> but, I mean, <laughs> Should have left know, breadcrumbs. These, these are definitely the same plant. Yeah. I mean, the they are, eh? Interesting. The lanterns are the same, except the lanterns on my big one... They look beautiful. It's an absolute gem, but they're empty. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Have you taken pictures? <clears throat> um, yes. Yeah, do. Send, yeah. send them in to Charlie. I'd like to see that. Again. Yeah, I would too. And you know what? I think this is something that we might – it's a fun kind of a plant. I think we might see more of these next year. There, yeah. I think uh, there might be a bit of a promotion by one of the big retailers next yeah. year. Well, it would be more fun if I could eat them. <laughs> I'm just shading everything else. Well, and have you ever eaten them before? Um, not before this year, but okay. I have now. They're delicious. Oh, well, isn't that something? Even uh, before you cook them, I've been told you cook them for salsa, mm-hmm. but they're, they're delicious right off the vine when they're ripe. Well, cool. Paul, if you want to send a picture to Charlie, I'm going to give you her email address if that's okay. Okay. Okay, it's c. 
Dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. And uh, send that along, and uh, we'll both have a peek at it. In yeah. fact, uh, maybe uh, in time for next week, uh, Dennis is going to be in, uh, subbing in for uh, Charlie. That's right. I won't be here next yep. week, which but is why Dennis is here. He's practicing this week maybe in you can preparation for next week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's okay. Well, thanks very much. Thanks, Okay. Paul. You're very welcome, Bye. and thank you. You know what else it says here on the web, in case you're interested? It says, isolated tomatillo plants rarely set fruit. Hmm. Right? So isolated, yeah. Yes, okay. it's that yep. isolation. Yep. So uh, it does say that you know a bunch of research has supported that. Ripe tomatillas will keep refrigerated for about two weeks. They'll keep even longer if the husks are removed and the fruits are placed in sealed plastic bags. Anyway, hmm. Stored in the fridge. Yes. Well, there you are. And uh, uh, we have other callers on the line. Uh, well, there's from uh, St. Catharines is Ralph. Hey, wait a minute. First time caller. <coughs> Welcome to the show. Uh, <laughs> welcome, Ralph. Good morning. Morning. I don't know if you're going to want to give me wings for my question. Oh, but we might. You never know. I have a couple of walnut trees. They're about 15 years old, 20, 25 feet in height. Mm-hmm. In the last three or four years, on the underside of the leaves, they have these... Uh, for sake of a, a better word, bubbles coming out under the, the leaves, and the fruit is uh, turning black. This past spring, I sprayed the trees with a sulfur oil spray, and I have more black fruit now than I ever did. Uh, they're just dying right on uh, the tree. And I was wondering if there's any way I could sterilize these trees without killing them. <sighs> Hmm. Perplex- perplexed looks are evident right now on mm-hmm. both Charlie's face and and Dennis. Well, when you see little bubbles on the leaves, so that's like little protuberances on the leaves, right? But underneath, you said. That's correct. There, there are mites that are little insects. We see them on maples quite often, maple leaves. Well, they'll get these little projectile bumps. And it's actually just a tiny little insect, and the plant grows around the insect, so you get these funny bumps. Okay. The insect does not cause any substantial damage. I mean, certainly the leaves look funny, but the plant is fine. It's not something we worry about. But the fruit that's really uh, almost rotting, it sounds like, is, doesn't sound good. No. What, what, are the, uh, what do the leaves look like? The branches, are they healthy? The leaves are healthy except for uh, the spots underneath. The and spots. Uh, the, the bubbles, uh, they seem to have diminished with the, the spray, but there's, some yeah. are still there. Yeah, I think... I and think... the leaves are healthy. They're full, they're green, mm. and they hang on till December or something. So. Mm. Well, I think they're two related. I think Charlie's absolutely right with the, the bumps. That's cut some sort of mite or, or gall um, insect on, on, on the leaf, and it's just a disfiguration. It, it really doesn't do any harm to the tree whatsoever. The bigger concern is, is the rotting, rotting yeah. fruit, which um, is pretty unusual, to be honest with you. Um, and, and my first guess at it would be that it's a, uh, some sort of root, uh, um, root rot problem to the tree itself. That's uh, usually what you see on uh, walnuts when, they, when they're getting some really bad drainage or the drainage has changed in the area, that kind of thing. Um, I can barely hear you. Well, sorry, um, I'm just saying that uh, I think there are two related problems. Charlie's right, the, the, the bumps are some sort of mite or gall on, on the leaf. The, the, the rotting fruit is a, is a much uh, more severe problem. 
And, and, and to me, when I see that on, on nut trees, it's usually related to some sort of drainage issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really have a drainage problem. In fact, the, uh, uh, the leaves provide so much shade that uh, the grass is in need of water mm-hmm. during the summer. Have you, ha- have you ha- ever had them thinned out, the, the, the branches? Cause uh, to- not in a recognized way, but the branches get very heavy and they, uh, they go over top of my driveway and anything that hangs down or over top of my roof and eave troughs, I cut those things out. Yeah, you know, thinning out of trees will, will create much better air circulation, uh, and that applies to any fruit tree, be it apples or, or, or nut trees. Um, and, and so that's why you see good orchards that uh, are really well-pruned trees to allow for that air circulation, which, if it is a fungus disease, um, is going gonna, is gonna to help that problem. So, Well, it's getting worse every year, yeah. and that's why I've called. Yeah. You know what I would do? I think, Ralph, I would get hold of an arborist. Because walnut trees are wonderful, actually, um, you know, super trees to have. If a well-grown walnut is worth a lot of money, absolutely. And uh, and so, in order to keep those trees healthy and keep them on the property and keep them, you know, adding value to your property, I would call a certified arborist to come and look. Particularly if there's black fruit hanging now, uh, through ISA, the International Society of Arboriculture, you can find a certified arborist in St. Catharines. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I were you, I would just Google that. You know, I, it's actually ISA Ontario, and that'll take you to the Ontario wing of the International Society of Arborists, and then you'll find a local and get somebody to come and, and you know put the practiced eye on really looking at what's going on there. Is it a rottage? Is it, as Dennis is suggesting, maybe just humidity, wet summer, poor air circulation, uh, you know, some thinning of the crown might just open things up, get some air, get some light in there, and the fruit will be healthier as a result. It could be something that simple. But again, the, the certified arborist is going to be the best person to give a, an analysis. Okay, but getting back to the question, is there any way to sterilize the tree? Sterilize the tree. The closest to sterilizing is what you did, which is that lime sulfur and oil spray on a dormant tree. So you did it in the spring. That's Mm -hmm. good. If you wish, you could do it again this fall once the leaves have dropped. Again, once it's dormant, weather permitting, you could do that spray again. Nothing wrong with that because that does kill insects and it does control disease. Uh, And it's a good preemptive – it's actually the best preemptive spray for any of our fruit – uh, trees and shrubs and roses, etc. Okay. Appreciate your time. Thanks for your call. Thanks, thank Ralph. You. Have a wonderful long weekend, and thank you for joining us here on The Garden Show from AM740. And uh, next on the line, it's Irene, who is calling in from Oshawa. Good morning, Irene. Good morning. How are you? Good, thank you. Morning. Good morning, Charlie. My question is about a hibiscus that someone has given me, mm-hmm. and I've never grown one before. It's still in the pot. It's a beautiful thing, but I don't know what to do about it for the winter. I haven't planted it because I didn't know if it would be uh, uh, safe over the winter, or do I have to do something special with it? Okay, I need more information on what kind of hibiscus. There's so many out there. Is it got the trumpet-shaped flowers? Yes. So it's a tropical hibiscus. Oh, hang on a sec. I'm not sure. It's, a tropic, it's more, fl- more flat. Oh, it's you big. see? There you go. If it's a flat flower and it's big, like the size of a dinner plate. Oh, well, not quite, but it's getting there. Yep. That sounds like a perennial hibiscus to me. Uh-huh, I think it is. Okay. 
Well, that's a nice plant, and it should be in full bloom right now. Oh, it this, is. It's gorgeous. This it's is the time big of yellow year. flower. It's huge. Lovely. Well, do you have you ever grown this plant, Dennis? Have mm-hmm. you got this perennial hibiscus on your property? Yeah, I I, I do, I, and I'm kind of uh, I live north of, north of Toronto, so it's a little iffy. Uh, my my, you know, I can hardly hear you. I'm sorry. Sorry, I live sort of north of Toronto, so it's a little iffy for me for for overwintering that type of hibiscus. I've done it in previous years. Uh, you want the most sheltered spot in 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 your garden, close to the house, if you can. Um, sunny, sunny, number one, and um, you want to not prune that plant for the winter time. Uh-huh. You, you, you want to leave those branches and, and uh, leaves on for the winter. Uh, some uh, heavy mulch around the base of the for the winter. Leaves. Once there's been a hard frost. Once there's been a hard frost, and you're not going to prune that until oh gosh, I'm go- I'm going to guess it's late April next year before you see any sign of new. So the big problem, Charlie, you know that yes. is people panic, right? Yeah, I think it's in, dead. In April, they think the the plant's dead. They give up on it, and and uh, often people forget about it, and then all of a sudden they're walking through the garden in May, and there's this beautiful plant. Yeah, because this is a very late plant to emerge from the ground. It's a herbaceous perennial, so it will, in a hard frost, all that top growth will die down, but the root should stay alive. And that's why it's important, Irene, that you do get it into your garden. Even if you can do it this weekend, that would be good, because that gives the plant a good, you know, six weeks or more to get a little bit of root establishment, and it'll be better prepared for the upcoming winter. Is it a shrub? Does it grow very high? Many, oh gosh, I've seen them three feet tall and three feet wide. Uh-huh. But remember, that's, from, that's in one season because it will all die down over the winter and come up again in the spring. Uh-huh. So depending on the variety, if there is a tag on it, it will tell you roughly the, the size it will grow to. And remember, these plants get bigger over time as well. As the root gets established and gets bigger, the plant gets bigger. Mm-hmm. So give it space for sure, and don't yeah don't give up on it in the spring because it'll be very slow to pop through the soil. Yeah, okay. I, I think Charlie is sending Frank over this afternoon to help you plant it. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> lovely, I love the garden. I'm in an apartment, and they've allowed me to have a, a garden right along the wall. It's beautiful. Hey, that's great. Oh, oh that's yes, perfect. There you go. So that's particularly if it's a sunny wall, and like Dennis said, keep it close, you know, close to the wall. You know, a foot or two away from the wall, but someplace where it's sheltered because it is not a super hardy plant. I see. Now, I have a fence out the front there, too. Would it be okay along a fence? Depends which way the front faces. You want to avoid that cold northwest wind. Mm -hmm. If it's going to be slicing across your garden, then you want to tuck it in somewhere where it's going to be sheltered from that cold winter wind. I see. Would it, would, if, I'm, if I have it at, at the fence and it's to protect it, would it be any help to put something around it? Burlap or, no burlap, or anything? Mulch. You know how we hill roses? in yes. the. You're going to want to hill this plant uh-huh. later, like in November. In November, yep. give it a good mm-hmm. yep. mulch. And that's, I, I would almost put like a stake, and you, you suggest, yeah. Dennis, leave it above ground. Bottom line is that hill, a stake, something to tell you where it is, because you yeah. won't remember it in the spring, and it'll be very slow to come up. Yeah. You Wonderful. Know, be nice to get a call uh, next yeah, next spring to see know. see what happened. I'd love to try and <laughs> try and hang it over, be, hold it over because yeah. uh, you know it's such a beautiful thing, it's, and I'd never had one, and I thought, oh, how nice would that be? Yeah. Quite gorgeous. Yeah. So do what Dennis suggested and let us know ne- next spring. But of course, it'll be May by the time you're calling. <laughs> Maybe June. <laughs> I'm going to mark it down. Okay. Uh, thanks, Irene. We'll hear from you in about seven Thank months' you. time. Have a great weekend. <laughs> okay. And you too. Thank you very much. Uh, this is the Garden Show. You're listening to my friend.
Lines from AM740. Dennis Flanagan is uh, our special guest this morning. And um, you know Charlie what? Dobbin. And thank you very much, Franklin Proctor. Yeah. Dennis, did you, you know, I've always said as your special guest, maybe we should tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do. Or mm. would you like to do that? Yeah, well, sure. I, my main job in life is working for the uh, Trade Association, Landscape Ontario, Horticultural Trades Association. We have 2,000 members plus across the province, uh, broken up into chapters from Windsor to Ottawa up into the Barry region. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fabulous working with these members. They're all professionals in the industry. Um, and we have a very useful website. Uh, you know, Charlie, you, you're, you're a master gardener, and we partner with the master gardener. So if anyone can't get a hold of you on your busy schedule, mm-hmm. is come to our Landscape Ontario website, uh, put your garden question in there, and our, our master gardener partners within a couple of days will will answer your gardening question. Right. So landscapeontario.com mm-hmm. for questions. Also, if you you need to hire somebody. Yes. Right? You need somebody to uh, plow your snow. You need somebody to mow your lawn. You yep. need somebody to plant a tree or to, put in a patio or yeah. build a deck. Prune your walnuts. Yeah, exactly. Winterize your hibiscus. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> you need help on anything to do with the outside of your home. Yep. Landscapeontario.com yep. will direct you to many or all of its professional members because yeah, they will. that's one of the cool things about Landscape Ontario. Um, you know a member is somebody who is a professional so that it's not some fly-by-night mm-hmm. you know, somebody yeah. with, a, with a pickup truck, truck and a, and a uh, lawnmower. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I, I know people sometimes get a little fed up with that pitching of the professional thing, but some something that we'll, we'll always tell homeowners, and they don't know this, mm-hmm. um, is if you're hiring any type of contractor to check into their insurance mm-hmm. and their, their WSIB, their safety, mm-hmm. uh, if they don't have those things... <laughs> Um, you don't want them on the property. Well, if something happens on your property mm-hmm. to someone, Yikes. the homeowner yeah. is liable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a it's a horrible thing. Mm-hmm. And there's some, been some nasty cases in history. So yeah. whoever you're hiring, check out you three want to things. See proof. Yep, three things. Check out the references. Right. Check out that they've got WSIB coverage and that they've got liability insurance. Their own. Please, yeah. please, please. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Some Protect great yourself. great tips mm-hmm. there. Yeah. 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 Because right. it could mean a lot of money oh. that Ooh. you would lose. Yikes. Yeah. We don't want to see you broke, folks, though. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> okay. We have to take a little bit of a break here, and we're going to be coming back to talk to Bill in Scarborough right after these words. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, we've got a packed studio here today. Uh, <laughs> not not that he's that big. Uh, I mean, he's not rotund and like that. But <laughs> <laughs> now that you've started. Our good, our good friend, yes. Uh, that was sort of a backhanded slap, wasn't it? I know. Somehow, yes. <laughs> Dennis Flanagan is here along with Charlie who is always, you know, uh, uh, very, um, how shall we say, trim. Trim. Oh, thank you. Yes. That's not me. that you're not, Dennis. Oh, God, I've got myself in a whole <laughs> bunch of trouble here. Uh, out, out, we, out we go to Scarborough to get me off the hook. Uh, Bill, hello and good morning. Welcome. Good morning, all of you. Sounds like you've got enough people there for a party. <laughs> yeah, we do, actually. <laughs> I, I'm morning. glad to hear your, your guests recommending the arborist because my son's an arborist and he's he has, gets called in to fix up other people's work because it messes it up. Eh? That's, I agree. Yeah. Uh, what I'm phoning about is a, a, a plant that I really never, don't know anything about. I've bought this here as a 50-cent uh, end-of-the-season 
plant sitting on the counter in a, one of the grocery stores, and uh, I planted it, and I forgot about it. And then the next spring, I was digging in the garden, and I came across this huge root, big, <laughs> thick root. You know, it must have been about three inches thick uh-huh. and, and about eight inches long. And I thought, what the heck is this here? And I threw one of them in the garbage. I missed the other one, and it came up, and it was a beautiful flower. And I looked up what I had got on it, and it's called a platycodon. Oh, okay. V-L-A-T-Y-C-O-D-O-N. Yeah. Do you know anything about it? That's a balloon flower. That's the common name. For, yeah. Right, Charlie? Yeah, for yeah. platycodon is balloon flower. So, yeah, uh, it has a, a odd-shaped flower. Yeah. A hexagon shape. Yep. Yeah, it's neat, actually. And they call it a balloon flower because it looks like a balloon, and then the little petals peel back yeah, and that's open right. up. It comes in now, blue what, or white. My, my question on this is that I've planted a lot of seeds from this thing, mm-hmm. and believe it or not, they've all come up. Mm. But I bought, I put them in, what I would do is I take a, uh, the top off of a margarine tin and embed it into the ground and put the seeds in the center so I know where they are. Mm-hmm. And I've planted them here and in the home. I phoned you before. I work a lot in the in the nursing home, mm-hmm. and I've got them. They've, both of them have grown like crazy, but and after all this length of time in the ground, they're at the the tallest one is only about an inch and a half high. Oh. And I'm wondering how I want to get these through the winter. Mm. So these are seeds from this year. Yes. And but you know they're seeds from last year that I planted, but I planted them in. Uh, I planted them either late May or early June. Okay. They don't seem to be going very fast or very slow. Yeah, they don't sound very vigorous. Well, assuming that the original 50-cent platycodon that you bought was a hybrid, and now you're saving seeds and growing seeds from that plant, you will find that some of those seeds will uh, not be very good seeds. Uh, because they will not be very vigorous plants. Hybrids do not breed true. You can't get, you can't plant seeds from a hybrid and get the same plant. You can take cuttings, but that's the only way. You're okay. gonna, you'll have a real mishmash of different plants that will come up from seed. Some m- might be very viable and and good looking and attractive. Others might just be small and no big deal and may never even flower. So that's that selecting thing. We select the strongest and the best, and we eliminate the others. Oh, I see. That's what I think would be going on. No, what do you do? Can you keep them in the out? I, I've got them in pots right now. Mm-hmm. You can bury those pots for the winter under the ground in your garden. Mm-hmm. Stake them, mark them, know that they're there, and keep an eye in the spring. You know, something, some little green sprout will come up eventually. And, you know, it's funny. We were talking about how slow hibiscus to, is to come up in the spring. Platycodon is also very slow in the spring. So we tend to forget and think they're dead, and they're under there doing their thing, and all of a sudden will pop up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just you can certainly, with any plant that's a hardy plant, a plant that is typically outdoors, and you want to keep it over the winter, and it's in pots, just mm-hmm. Bury that pot under the soil, stake it, mark it, know where it is, and watch for it in the spring. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I got to ask one more question on these things. Well, I, you know, I'm, that, if they, <laughs> sorry, if they, I'm sorry, well, Bill. We can only uh, uh, oh, no, take. No, I'm not going to ask. A oh, question. another question. Okay, it's all right. The same thing. Mm. I, I, I was just wondering, because of the, the smallness of them, they they won't have the big heavy root on them. Will will they? Still survive the winter? That's why you bury the pot. Because the it's remember, 
under the ground uh, is where you get your insulation from the air pockets between the soil particles. And so will they survive will be dependent on whether what kind of a winter we have, right? If we have lots of snow, lots of things survive because, again, snow insulates the roots. Uh, bare soil, cold, cold, you know, 40 below temperatures, mm-hmm. things do tend to suffer. So can't guarantee they'll survive, but your best chance of survival is bury them. And once they're dormant, even bury them deeper, bury them down a foot. Your chance of survival is better, but again, you'll have to lift them all up in the spring. Well, you, but you cover you cover the whole thing right over. Yep. That's what I was. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, think about healing our roses. When we do that, we're doing that for you know winter protection. Once the plants are dormant, we've had a good hard frost. We can start doing some of that protective hilling or mulching. So same thing with it with the little baby seedlings like that. But you say there's very little likelihood that they will become true to the original plant. Correct. That's a shame. Yeah, that is a shame. Son of a gun. You get out to that garden center and look for another 50-cent end-of-season pot, see what you can find. Yeah, this next time I'll mark sure, make sure that I know what it is. (laughs) Or, yeah, sometimes, like Dennis said, the tags do get mixed up, particularly at the end of the season. Occasionally, yeah. Well, thanks for the call very much. Thanks so much, Bill. Bill. Okay. Okay. Uh, We'll be talking to you, I'm sure, again. And... uh, this flashed up on my monitor. George from Iron Ridge. Mm. Another. Now, he's called before, but I can't yeah. remember where Iron Ridge. No, no, is. I know. And I'm just going to give you credit. <laughs> Thank you. I said, could you look up Iron Bridge for me, Charlie? You just don't have to. It's 40 kilometers northwest of Elliott Lake. I think. So, <laughs> oh, now. Now we're getting the I think. Well, let's see if that's true. George, are you there? Yeah, Frank. It's not northwest, actually. It. Uh, south southwest. Oh, southwest. Uh, right yay. on Highway 17, right. uh, 100 kilometers from Sault Ste. Marie. Wow. Okay. Now, George, I'm glad you clarified that because I, I tell you, sitting here, is, I, I feel like I'm a marriage counselor between these <laughs> two. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, my question is uh, I'd like to amend my tomato patch. Mm-hmm. In the past years, I've been digging in about a foot of leaves, uh, rototillidin, each fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomatoes aren't very good this year. I've got uh, about 20 dozen eggshells crushed, ready to go in. Mm-hmm. And I've got uh, about a yard of fresh manure coming from the stockyard. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what else I should do to try and get this patch working again. Okay, if it's really fresh manure, which I'm not... It's super fresh. Okay, that doesn't go on the tomato patch yet. Do okay, you have what should to, I do with it? Do you have kind of a spot, a corner, or a back 40 location where you can dump that fresh manure and even pile some leaves on top of it over the winter and let it sit there all winter? Next spring, turn it and let it sit there all summer. Like, you've got a really... Uh, it's fresh manure... You, you should see the look on Frank's face. <laughs> okay, fresh manure is really, really full of ammonia. Uh, okay. It's that you'll smell it, and it's too way. We call it hot. It's just way too hot. It will burn the plants. So it okay. must be um, weathered for at least one year out in the regular, you know, weather conditions, rain and snow and all that sun. But you will turn it and feel free to add, like I say, leaves or any soil you've got kicking around to that pile of fresh manure and prepare to put it in the tomatoes a year from now like into the tomato patch so in 
end of season 2014, that fresh manure can go into the, into the tomato garden. But for this year, what you've got going on is great. The leaves, the eggshells, I love it. Mm-hmm. Can you get any composted manure? Like older manure? Uh, unfortunately, no. This is the, the stockyard just down the, the highway from me. And this is stuff the animals are coming in being mm-hmm. sold. And mm-hmm. this is when they clean them out. Right. So that's great, though. I mean, you know, never hurts to have some manure on hand that's weathering and aging and getting ready to go into the garden. But you just want to wait a year would be my suggestion. Mm-hmm. Okay. And just an update, uh, I sent you an email about my uh, pine trees, mm-hmm. and you Photos. called back and said, well, it was pine sawfly. I thought so, yeah. The uh, trees are fine. The, the bugs all left. They've moved on, yes, as they always do. <laughs> That's yep. great. Probably the smell of the manure. <laughs> <laughs> the manure hasn't got here yet. No, it hasn't got. They, they were, they were uh, prophetic little devils. No, bugs. We, we Often by the time we know we've got bugs on our plants, the bugs have moved on because that's what bugs do. It's all about life cycles. So those little sawfly larvae actually turn into flies that fly away. Okay. okay. Well, we got lots of flies. <laughs> oh, I know you do. <laughs> and you'll have more with that manure, I guarantee it. But also, George, be be aware that this was not a great tomato year, probably even more so where you are, because tomatoes love the heat. And this has not been a hot summer right. where we, we are. Right, we didn't get any heat until mid-July. That's Then right. we got too much. Yeah, so, it, you know, it just any of the hot, the heat-loving crops, the green peppers, the eggplants, the tomatoes, they, this was not a great season for them. Of course, the chards and the kales and the um, broccolis are super happy. They've been fine, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Some years are, are good for one crop and not so much. So don't blame your soil and yourself on the tomato crop this year, but do whatever you can to do the amending, like you said. It's a great idea. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot, uh, George. From Ironbridge, way up there. Yeah. And we're going to return in just a couple of moments to have a word with uh, a berry caller Mm -hmm. named Delane, by the way. Mm -hmm. And Delane will be on the air with us shortly. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got the garden show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And Charlie, joined as usual by yours truly, Frank Proctor, and Dennis Flanagan, who will be subbing in for her next week. Mm-hmm. We're all here. Yeah. Charlie, we have another call coming Delane's in from Barry, and it is Delane on the line. Good morning, Delane. Good morning, everybody. Morning. morning. Uh, I also have a tomato problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've planted uh, two plants in a bin that's about five feet uh, long and about uh, two feet wide. My tomatoes are beautiful, great big ones. I'm sure that they weigh close to a pound. But my problem is they have that dry rot on the bottom, Mm -hmm. and this was all fresh soil this year, first-time planter in there, and I'm just wondering what in the heck do I do to stop this from happening? I'm picking them green Uh and letting them ripen in a brown paper bag, and they're doing beautiful. Okay, Mm. But the ones, of course, that have the dry rod on it, or kaput. Compost. Uh, Mm -hmm. Dennis is going to answer this question because he knows the answer. Uh, Well, maybe. I want to know a little bit more about the bin that they're planted in. Can you tell us about that? Is it got drainage? It's a big wooden bin that's about two feet high, five feet wide. Mm -hmm. Has it got uh, drainage holes in the bottom? Pardon? Has it got drainage holes in the bottom? Uh, Oh, yeah. It's got good drainage. Okay, that's good. Because if you read gardening books from about... 
eight, ten years ago, they used to say blossom end rot was, was caused by a calcium deficiency. Uh, since then, it's been proven quite quite differently. Um, it's it's the infrequency of of watering, um, or the inconsistency. Inconsistency. Thanks yeah. for the inconsistency of of watering, and that's why when you hear tomatoes planted in containers, um, it 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 kind of throws up that you know question about what's happening with the with the watering and how consistent it is. So. I find my garden, my tomatoes in the garden, I have quite a heavy clay soil. They're splitting like crazy mm-hmm. because there's been so much rain and then we had the heat yep. and then so much rain and then the heat. So it's very hard to keep the soil at a consistent moisture level through the entire summer. But that's what you're aiming for mm-hmm. with tomatoes. And in a container, it's even harder to keep it consistently moist. I mean, unless you quit your job and you stay home <laughs> and you water every two hours, it's really... because. Planters dry out faster than the ground. Mm -hmm. So I think Dennis is right that probably what's happened is you've had some drying out of that box, that soil in the box, and then super heavy rain and everything in between. But it is connected to calcium because... That what happens is that from a, you get right down to what's going on at a cellular level, when the water level goes down mm-hmm. inside the cells of a tomato plant, the availability of the calcium also goes down, right. and you get all kinds of issues happening within the cell, and then the plants end up with that rot on the bottom. Yeah. So answer I, for this year, obviously, there's not much you can do about it, and you know harvest the harvest the tomatoes, enjoy them. Uh, they taste just you know just because they've got that little blemish on it, it doesn't change the taste very much for next year i would consider uh, really re-amending that soil making sure that it's a nice even soil you're getting good drainage and, and but also get some good maybe some good compost in good there compost something to hold, to that, hold, moisture hold that moisture during the hot hot days yeah so uh enjoy for this year and and early um, actually not early next year i'd do it this year right after yeah. you've harvested the the plants dig it over Uh, Try to get that even consistency through the soil. And maybe next year when you plant the tomatoes into the planter, maybe consider some mulch on the surface. Again, Mm -hmm. just to try and hold the moisture, whether it's a little bit of bark mulch or a little bit of straw, just something that, you know, even shredded newspaper works, just something on the surface that will help keep the moisture in that wooden container. Absolutely. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your help. Okay, Delane, thank you for joining us on this long holiday weekend. And, uh, gee whiz, the show is coming to a close shortly. But I'll tell you, do you have um, one little email you wanted to slip in here? Okay, sure, I do. One little one I... Yep, okay. (laughs) All right, here's one. (laughs) Hi, Charlie, I need your advice. My son, okay, Dennis, is for you. My son, who lives in a new subdivision in Burlington, is having an issue with raccoons, helping with his landscape by removing the grass around the house foundation. This is happening, like, right now. I realize that there must be some good bugs under there, but how can we stop this, and is it advisable to lay new sod within the next month rather than seeding? The raccoons only seem to be interested in his lawn or border, I should say. Thank you so much, and this is kind regards from Elizabeth. Mm. Well, Elizabeth, yeah, pretty pretty common problem this year. Um, you know, they're, they're looking for food, they're looking for the grubs, uh, so get away, get rid of the grubs, you can get rid of the raccoons. Charlie mentioned nematodes early in the show perfect time of year yeah. go into a garden center and ask about nematodes for your lawn for grubs or for insects yeah. in your mm-hmm. lawn that's excellent right. and follow the instructions on mm-hmm. the nematodes absolutely to the letter in order to be successful and then you're right sod can be put down no problem once those grubs are moved on so to speak you got it all right dave's corner garage is just about, hear them just about ready to start their engines. their engines yep. yeah so charlie been uh, really uh, an interesting show thanks yeah. for the help thanks dennis, dennis. Thank 
coming pleasure. and helping. You should come more often. This has been fun. It's great. And yeah. uh, thank you, Franklin. You're always the best. Well, thank you, Charlie. And we couldn't do any of this without James Patrick Dooley. So thank you to you as well and our great callers. Now, I won't see you all next week, but I'll see you the week after. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.